Hi, everyone. Liz Collin here. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Liz Collin Reports, a place for truth and meaningful Minnesota conversations. On the podcast today, we are digging deeper into the Minneapolis teacher contract that calls for laying off white teachers first. Days ago, Alpha News became the first media outlet to lay out the facts of the controversial contract agreed to this past spring. It prioritizes the firing of white teachers in order to retain educators of color. The agreement basically says if a non-white teacher is subject to a staff reduction, Minneapolis public schools must instead cut a white teacher with the next least seniority. The story has gone viral. The reaction has been swift and critical from social media to the legal system. But it's not the first time something like this has been tried. In fact, it was 17 years ago when the Pacific Legal Foundation filed a lawsuit challenging the Los Angeles Unified School District's race-based policy that considered a teacher's race when making school assignments. Phil Pearson was a special education teacher in that district back then, and we are happy to talk to him virtually from California today. Phil, thanks for joining us. I'm glad to. We do want to start there. This Alpha News story we know caught your attention when it was picked up elsewhere across the, the country. But explain what was going through your mind when you read the piece. Well, when I read the piece, it uh, had some comment, I think, that this is some new sort of thing. And of course, when I read the article, I saw this is just almost exactly what happened at my school uh, over 15 years ago, and that the LA Unified School District had been doing for who knows how long before that. Give our viewers and our listeners a little background on yourself. I know you spent a long time in the Los Angeles School District. Uh, I actually worked full time, uh, essentially as a special education teacher at one middle school in the San Fernando Valley. And uh, all of my time in LA Unified was there. I had done some substitute teaching before that, including in a couple of other school districts. But my main uh, education career was in L.A. Unified. So this policy goes in, into effect in 2004. Uh, again, this is California's largest school district, the country's second largest school district, mind you. When, mm-hmm. it came, when it came up, explain that. How did it go over? And specifically, how did it work? Well, uh, I was uh, at what was a middle school at the time, uh, grade six through eight. And in one year, it was probably around 2003-2004, there was an insufficient number of students to sustain the number of teachers uh, currently assigned to the school. So they had to do what was called a displacement. And in the displacement, the normal practice is uh, to uh, offer Uh, the lowest seniority teachers positions at other schools that might have a shortage. Uh, And this is what uh, was expected to happen. Um, But the principal informed us that the school had to retain, I think it was three of the seven who would normally be displaced because they were not minorities. And thus three white employees above them on the seniority list would be displaced instead. And he attributed that to something he called the Rodriguez Consent Decree, which in fact it turned out not to be. It was in fact a uh, provision in the collective bargaining agreement between 
UTLA and LA Unified, uh, something called the Teacher Integration Transfer Plan. So they're saying there's some sort of racial balance that needs to take place. But what was the reaction uh, when this is introduced and goes into effect? Uh, Well, there was a lot of dissatisfaction among the teachers. And one of them in particular came to me and asked, is there something we can do about this? Because you're working with the union at the time. I was uh, one of the two union reps at the school. The the other union rep was fully in agreement with me as to uh, how we should approach this. So I identified for this teacher um, an organization called the Pacific Legal Foundation, which litigates for uh, constitutional rights for people who've been aggrieved by uh, typically a government body. So it's immediately challenged, essentially, but really takes years to, to pan out. It took a long time. Um, and as I've uh, recently read, kind of refreshing my memory, uh, there was another lawsuit going on over supposedly similar issues at the time. The case was continued from uh, 2005, which is when I believe it was filed, until 2010, when it was finally settled. And do you know, Phil, what kind of impact it did have in that time, uh, since it is allowed to drag out for five years just in the, the court system? How, how many times this would have come in, into play? Well, uh, every year there is uh, a need to displace teachers at some schools because of the change in the student demographics. And so uh, at many schools, teachers would be moved involuntarily to another school. Uh, Whether the particular racial and ethnic criteria would come into play depends on the makeup of the um, body of teachers who are subject to the displacement. So in many cases, educators wouldn't even know. Uh, they wouldn't know. And uh, it, it happened in our case that, one, we were fairly aware of who was being displaced and who was not. And the principal made note of the fact that uh, these racial and ethnic criteria were coming into play. So as you said, the district says it's doing this in order to mirror the district's demographic makeup. But what kind of message do you think that this sends, especially to the students who I can't help but think of in the case even in Minneapolis, um, that that situation, but but just the overall message that sends? Sure. It's not uh, your criteria of uh, accomplishment in the case of uh, non-union kinds of settings or seniority in the case of union settings, but it's those tweaked by people who think they know better. Going back to the Minneapolis situation too, Phil, what would your advice be to teachers who don't think this is right, but perhaps they're too afraid to to push back, especially publicly? Well, as it happened in uh, our case, The litigation was filed uh, on behalf of an organization called the American Civil Rights Foundation or Institute, uh, and the individual teachers' names, to my knowledge, were not brought into it. So uh, certainly in the case of uh, what was L.A. Superior Court, 
that was an option. I don't know uh, Minnesota procedure, so I don't know what the uh, potential impact would be on individuals. But of course, uh, the federal law and probably the state law have non-retaliation provisions. So even if it's known that a teacher has filed a suit, there theoretically should be no repercussions for that. A longtime educator such as yourself, I'm curious, how troubled are you uh, when some of these topics are covered in the news and you're hearing about these different things going on in in public school systems today? Well, uh, first of all, I figure not all the facts are stated in the uh, reporting. So I don't know fully what's going on. But it seems like the union and the district should be aware that this has happened before. Uh, I'm surprised, in fact, that uh, they haven't already learned of what happened in L.A. and potentially other places. Uh, So it seems to me like Uh, oh, well, let's try this and see if we can get away with it. And you're here to say that they likely won't. (laughs) Uh, As long as someone uh, brings action, uh, it's likely that they will not succeed. They may get away with it for a while, but not over the long term. Well, Phil Pearson, again, thank you for joining us from California today. Okay, thank you. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Next, I want to bring in Senior Trial Counsel James Dickey from the Upper Midwest Law Center. James, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Liz. So your law firm was really the first to flag this story to say, hey, has anyone seen this contract with the Minneapolis Teachers Union? But the school district has since doubled down, saying that it needs to stick to the firing of white teachers first, this plan to fix past discrimination. But you candidly called this government-sponsored racism, James. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the concept that you would judge a teacher who is an employee, a public employee of the school district by the color of their skin, first and foremost, is, you know, clear discrimination. And, you know, what I haven't heard, I've I've heard these kind of vague claims about past discrimination. What I haven't heard is any actual hard evidence that the Minneapolis Public School District has been run by people who have been conducting discriminatory actions for the last, you know, 30 years or whatever. And you've asked, I know, teachers and Minneapolis taxpayers upset with this move to contact your office. I know there's probably not much you can say just yet, but I'm guessing you have heard from some folks by now. You know, since this has hit the news, uh, we've been contacted by a flood of people, both people from outside Minneapolis, but mostly Minneapolis taxpayers and some teachers who really have strong objections to this policy. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the reaction has been substantial. Explain that then. What are the next steps here? Well, the next steps, I think, in this matter are going to be whether the school district and the union undo their doubling down or whether they go forward into an inevitable lawsuit. Um, the fact is that Minneapolis taxpayers and teachers who are subject to a layoff because of the color of their skin are not going to stand by and be fired, even if they're doing a good job and even if they have seniority. Um, So, you know, it's up to the union and the school district at this point. If they don't change their ways, it's going to go to court. So as of right now, it is set to go into effect this spring. I also found it interesting, James, that the school district is still looking to fill hundreds of vacancies just before school starts. I can't imagine something like this contract will help them. 
No, I mean, what what worse message could there be to send to a young white teacher who wants to make a difference in Minneapolis and wants to be a great teacher for the students of Minneapolis and is qualified and is well-educated saying, you know, don't apply because, or if you want to apply, great, but just so you know, you're on the chopping block because you're white. Um, that's not the way you deal with a lack of teachers. Uh, it, it just it seems like just the most counterintuitive and counterproductive measure you could possibly put on the books. We'll go ahead and put your contact information uh, with this story on our website as well. But again, James Dickey from the Upper Midwest Law Center. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Liz. Appreciate your time. And that will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify or any other podcast platform, and be sure to sign up for our free daily newsletter on alphanews.org and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll see you next time.